Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from John O. Taves. Dr. Taves is the owner of Novera Headache Center and host of the Headache Doctor Podcast. As a physical therapist who specializes in headaches and migraines, he has seen an overlooked and misunderstood cause of headaches and migraines that, when evaluated and treated, can have a profound impact on the patient's life. His mission is to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence on medication so that they can thrive in everything they do. In the episode, Dr. Taves discusses similarities and differences between headaches and migraines, where typical treatment misses the mark, how your neck plays a critical role in head pain, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Dr. Taves. Enjoy. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Jono. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm. Uh, we were talking that you live in Colorado, which is one of the most beautiful places, in my opinion, in terms of nature, mountains, snow. So that's awesome. And then you were trying to convince me that Oakland is also beautiful. And <laughs> I don't know if I agree with you, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel very fortunate. I mean, I, I grew up here, um, did a little bit of time in the Midwest, like with schooling and all that. It's too cold. So we moved back. People think Colorado, you know, you're like in the ski resorts, there's five feet of snow snow in the winter, but, um, I live in Colorado Springs and it's actually very, uh, I mean, most, most days in the winter, are 30, 40 something degree weather. And then we get snow every now and then, but the mountains are like, you know, an hour or two away and I'm, I'm actually going this weekend. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, it is a very beautiful state and, and I love it. Awesome. Yeah. It's actually, I was just looking at the weather app before 
hopping on this interview, but it's like 30, 40 ish here today, which is very rare. Wow. And so, yeah, I'm obviously being a baby about it. And I am going for a walk after this. And I've like got my winter coat that I used to wear yeah. at work all queued up. I mean, <laughs> it's freezing to me, but right, right. not the same, not the same as there for sure. You guys, you guys have it colder. Can you start out by telling us a bit about your background and specifically? What led you to become a physical therapist and then to eventually specialize in headaches and migraines? Yeah. So I was an athlete in college. Uh, well, uh, you know, all the way from whenever I started playing soccer to uh, through my college career. And so the playing soccer was sort of my identity. And, and uh, when I went to school, it was just sort of like, where can I play? And the education was kind of an afterthought. Um, and and through college, that uh, mindset obviously shifted. And it's like, oh, yeah, I actually have to get a job. And so I was majoring in exercise science um, and uh, shadowed physical therapist. And they seemed to love their work and what they did. They worked with people. They got to, to work on and kind of study the body and get to know how movement works and how we're intended to move. And uh, I was just, yeah, I fell in love with it. And so I I was fortunate to get into the Mayo Clinic in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, which, um, yeah, like I said, is is very cold. It's a great program. They they take 28 students, so it's small class sizes. And um, you have access to a lot of great professors, MDs, PTs, all sorts of, uh, like, well-known and, uh, and established uh, providers within within this healthcare industry, and so great education. Uh, actually, Mayo Clinic, I did not Mayo Clinic itself, and the uh, education I received there didn't necessarily set me up for this trajectory of treating headaches and migraines as a physical therapist. There's probably not many uh, programs in the country that I I I don't know of any that graduates you know after their three years. Uh, are leaving and feeling like, yeah, I, I'm going to specialize in headaches. And so that's one of the problems we'll get into. Um, so what happened in my situation, there was a course that uh, was offered, a weekend course, just a two-day course. Uh, a physical therapist in the area was uh, teaching it, and it was on the neck and the jaw. He went over the, bi the biomechanics of the neck and the jaw and then some treatment techniques, and it was fascinating. And I went and shadowed him. He had people from all over the state that would come visit he was treating headaches, and uh, I picked up some of, of what he was doing. But the main thing that that did for me was just got me excited about this idea of manual therapy, of working with your hands to restore function to the body. And so after school, I graduated, then I started practicing in a manual therapy clinic. Uh, I, I applied these techniques, restoring function to the neck, to the jaw, uh, looking at shoulder tension, all these things that can potentially contribute to headaches and migraines that we'll talk about and, uh, started tr treating headaches and it was going really well. I mean, I, um, great success, uh, with, with these different types of headaches that I was seeing. And every now and then someone with a migraine would come on my schedule. And this was like, man, that's a neurological problem. I got to send that to the neurologist. But the thing that happened was where these patients were coming to me after seeing, maybe five or six neurologists in the area and they would go to Denver and they would, you know, they would travel. These were debilitating migraines as many people with migraines. Um, yeah, they, they're always debilitating, right? So, <clears throat> but frequently these people were finding that they were losing days 
and the medication and these neurologist visits were not doing it. And so they, they came in to uh, my office and I would evaluate their neck. I'd find these same problems. We would treat it. Now, what would happen is they would get better, like, like much better than they had uh, as far as progress is concerned. Their reduction of frequency and intensity of their symptoms um, was like dramatically better. And so that kept happening over and over. And, uh, which got me really excited. And so I researched, what is this migraine? What is this thing that people, uh, that are, are struggling to find a solution with? I thought this was a neurological, neurological problem. The neurologist had a handle on it. And, um, it uh, turns out that if, uh, you try to find the answer to why you are experiencing these symptoms, they really don't have an answer for you. And so, um, yeah, I guess to simplify it, the healthcare system currently is providing people with um, really no no answers as as far as what is happening, and so what that does that leads them down a road of medication, which is symptom management. Mm. And so uh, I'll try to to shorten this because I could talk for a long time on this, but essentially what that did was that uh, propelled me into this the trajectory of starting a pre, uh, specialty practice that applies these techniques that were seen to be effective and uh, to people with headaches and migraines just because they weren't finding it outside of here. Hmm. So what is the difference between a headache and a migraine? Cause you mentioned maybe a migraine isn't always neurological. I mean, what's, can you, do you use those terms interchangeably or are they completely different? Yeah. So that's a good question. If we're going to diagnose someone that has uh, a migraine. So if we're going to apply the migraine diagnosis, to someone, likely they're going to receive that um, because they have a one-sided pounding, throbbing sensation that's accompanied by lighter sound sensitivities. Uh, and then they can have nausea. It can be accompanied with an aura or without an aura. So like a visual disturbance or something like that. So that diagnosis of migraine is based on those symptoms. Now, it's helpful to uh, be able to describe your symptoms and have your symptoms in that categorization of, of migraine and that diagnosis of migraine because um, people understand what that means. There's a level of debilitating sort of illness or pain that, you know, it puts you out for the day. You have to find a dark room, uh, lights and sounds you need to avoid, like you're done. Like you call your boss, I've got a migraine today, like it's understood what that means. Um, but it's also important to understand that it's based on those subjective reports. Like you have these symptoms you'll receive that diagnosis. So there's no real image. There's no x-ray, MRI, CT scan. There's nothing objective that they're finding. Okay. Hmm. So that's, that's one of the problems. Now, headaches, headaches come in all different shapes and sizes. I mean, tension headaches. Uh, we work a lot with what are called cervicogenic headaches, um, cluster headaches. There's all different types of headaches. If you look at the ICHD, the International Classification of Headache Disorders, uh, which is sort of a, a global resource for providers to, you know, identify and diagnose. There's dozens of different types of headaches or migraines, and um, most of them are based on symptoms. So you have certain symptoms, and you'll receive that diagnosis, which then leads you down a trajectory for most of them is going to be medication. Now, that's like medically the difference, you know, if we're going to diagnose, uh, it's, it's the symptoms that you present with will either provide you with a migraine diagnosis or not. Um, <clears throat> now, when, when I speak of a headache or a migraine and in the story I just told, the problem, the underlying problem can look very similar. So it's not as if like a migraine patient has a neck issue different than like the headache patient. 
Um, there's a few, this can get kind of confusing. So I don't, I don't want to confuse people. Um, but the symptoms, and I had a whole podcast on like pain and how the body experiences pain and, and why we can trust pain, but then pain also is subjective. And we have to understand that the location, the severity, the actual type of sensation we receive is subjective to some extent. And so we can't take eye pain and believe that your eye has a problem. Now, it can be safe to assume that and we check the eye, but when the eye doesn't have a problem, we need to understand that the brain can be creating something from a different location and be and it manifests as eye pain. And so when someone has migraine symptoms, so they have sensitivities, lights, and sounds, they have a visual disturbance, they have this throbbing sensation in their head. Um, what we're finding is these neck problems and we treat those neck problems and these patients are getting better. Hmm. So the, the underlying, so if I'm going to boil it down, if someone comes into our practice, Novera Headache Center, if they have any type of head or facial pain, okay? So most of the people we see have the diagnosis of migraine, but if they have any type of head or facial pain and have not found an answer, we want to see them just because of the connection between the neck and head or facial pain and these other types of symptoms. Is that is that relatively clear? I Yeah. So what I am understanding is maybe in the past, if you had a headache or a migraine, they would look to the source, which would be your head or your brain even, mm-hmm. of what's wrong right there where you're having the pain. Right. But right. really, it's an expression of possibly something going on in your neck or shoulders even? Could it be your shoulders? Yeah, somewhere else. Somewhere else. Okay. Somewhere else is causing that pain. So you're not necessarily helping yourself if you're going to somebody who's only doing MRIs or scans or whatever of your head. Bingo. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so think of think of like a heart attack. So if you uh, if you have shoulder pain and like chest pressure or something like that, uh, it, it's assumed that we need to screen your heart. All right. So it'd be like going into a provider and you say, I, my shoulder hurts. And they, you know, they say, go through range of motion of your shoulder. Well, your shoulder looks relatively fine. So you're good. Or, and if it keeps hurting, we'll do an injection in your shoulder. And that injection will numb pain sensations from that area. So maybe the pain goes away, but we're missing the heart. Like the heart is actually <laughs> the problem. Um, your brain is perceiving this referral pattern and the referral pattern for the heart for this, this cardiac event is the shoulder or the neck. Um, it's, it's similar in the sense, like we're working with referred pain and that's why we see patterns like when pain presents in the head or when pain presents in the shoulder, we can, we can, uh, reasonably assume that it could be coming from the shoulder. We can connect to the heart, the head, we can connect to the neck. We can assume that referred pain from the head is coming from the neck. The problem with our healthcare system, one, we're not set up to properly evaluate the neck. So we're not actually catching this neck problem, even if we do an x-ray CT of the neck. Um, but the other problem is we're not, we're not even like thinking the neck is an option. Um, and I talked to so many people over and over who are intuitively in their own experience saying my, my neck feels like it has an issue, but no one's been able to validate that yet. And it's very frustrating. So the typical course of treatment is somebody would have a headache, they or chronic headaches or migraines. They would probably mm-hmm. go to their family care physician or whoever, maybe get a referral to someone else, and then maybe someone else after that. But no, no one of those people at any point is addressing the neck and shoulders, and so they end up taking 
medication or having to continue to call out sick from work because the issue is never solved. The source is never addressed. Yeah. Yeah. So for the most part, people are receiving uh, medications which are promised to you know, reduce the frequency or the intensity. And oftentimes they do. Um, they all have side effects and uh, they're all changing the experience that we have with pain. So it's as if your house is on fire uh, and smoke starts billowing up and the fire alarm goes off and we go, man, the most annoying part of this is the fire alarm. So let's just take the batteries out, chuck them out the window um, where we ignore the actual like fire that's happening. So the way our bodies work is if we have pain, we need to ask the question, why, 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 why are we having this pain? Um, until we get to the actual source, like what is happening? Is there tissue damage? Is there irritation? Is there inflammation? And where is that coming from? And why are you experiencing in the, it in this pattern? Um, and if we ask those questions, oftentimes it does lead us to a musculoskeletal problem, which I can get into what that problem is. But yeah, our healthcare system is set up to um, assume this. And when I, so Headaches and migraines, um, well, well, we'll just take the migraine category. Um, the sort of end result, if you ask the question why and you search online, what you'll find is that they'll say it's a spontaneous neurological event, okay? So um, they're connecting all of these different neurons that meet up in the brainstem, and they're talking about this hypersensitivity meaning your brain, for some reason, is hypersensitive to all these different sensory inputs, and those, um, those sensory inputs uh, are being hypersensitive to those. You know, it's, it's visually, it's a sense of smell, it's this aura, um, but there's no actual like, here's why your brain is having that event. It's just a spontaneous event. And because of that, and because it ends at just like the neurological system generating it, the, it itself, um, a lot of the research in pharmaceuticals are um, going down this road of like... Uh, working with or, or modulating serotonin levels, uh, receptors of serotonin, um, blocking proteins that are transmitting pain. Um, and so they're, they're just sort of changing the environment that we experience pain in. Um, and then the other side of that is, so if you, if they do think, well, the neck could be a problem, it really is, it's, it's a movement problem and it goes to, back to specific joints in the neck. So taking a still image like an x-ray or a CT scan won't show you the problem necessarily. Um, and then oftentimes, like even if you get sent to a physical therapist or um, I'm, I'm painting, I know I'm painting this like doom and gloom picture, but there is some hope here. Um, <laughs> it's, it can be kind of challenging to find a provider that can really evaluate and treat it properly. Um, and, and so it, even if someone's working on your neck and there are things like general things like massage, chiropractic, good physical therapy, um, that can be helpful, but there's sort of like another layer of that, that we want our healthcare system to get to. That's just not there. Hmm. I work with clients in the nutrition space. I'm a nutrition coach and I primarily, people come to me usually with weight loss issues that they're wanting to tackle in a kind of more sustainable way. And I, then, you know, through our course of working together, maybe somebody is drinking soda throughout the week. And then we have the discussion, you know, switching to a zero calorie soda could be a good bridge to maybe eventually getting onto a seltzer or, 
even water, you know, so kind of finding like meeting everybody halfway of, can you switch Mm -hmm. from regular soda to diet, let's say. And I had a client tell me I can't switch to diet soda because artificial sweeteners give me migraines. So they were diagnosed by whomever saying, don't avoid all artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Uh, So then I guess my question is, are there different types? Is that valid or do the majority stem from neck and shoulder issues? Or are there some that maybe could be triggered by something like artificial sweeteners? Yeah, it's a great question. So what, what I'll do to help explain that is just talk uh, less about like artificial sweeteners and more globally about triggers and how we should understand triggers. So when, uh, when we think about triggers, we have to understand that the body receiving this pain signal and the environment that the brain is in, meaning systemically, let's, let's take, for example, inflammation. Working with different food groups, we know that the body is going to respond differently depending on the type of food that you're ingesting that's going through your GI system and your, um, and your microbiome has to deal with it. And then there, if, if there is inflammation that stems from uh, whatever food group you consume, I mean, some of the big ones are gluten and dairy, um, whatever can be in, inflammatory to your system is going to play into how your brain experiences pain. So is your brain set up for success, meaning um, are you going to be dealing with a level of inflammation that not only how your brain experiences pain, but also uh, if if your body's dealing with a neck problem and and then you consume some food group that doesn't sit well and and you have this systemic inflammation that you're also dealing with, uh, it's going to increase your sensitivity level. Uh, or drop your threshold, however you want to look at that. So when we think about threshold, there's this threshold theory of migraine. Migraine. So when you um, put yourself in environments that are challenging on different systems of your body, your threshold drops. So I just did a video on barometric pressure, and a lot of people are triggered by barometric pressure changes. And uh, we just got a, a, a cold front here in Colorado Springs. It snowed. And uh, for a lot of people, that means they're going to have a bad day. Now, what's happening there? Now, so there, there are different scenarios, but for the most part, what I would explain is that think of someone that has a total knee replacement. And so their knee, the joint itself, um, is not either it has a level of inflammation or it's just stiffer than it used to be. And so there's, a, there's sort of an internal uh, level of pressure, and that needs to be able to accommodate to the barometric pressure outside. And so... Uh, if it's not able to accommodate as well, you're going to feel it. So the joint's going to feel stiff. And so a lot of people have this same sort of problem in a couple of joints in their upper neck. And so when the pressure changes, they'll feel that. Now that doesn't mean that uh, barometric pressure is the cause. It just means it's changing the environment that you're going to experience this neck problem in. And I would say the same is true for people that have food sensitivities because uh, we see it all the time. I mean, most of our patients have a food sensitivity but we don't stop with that's the cause, um, especially because a lot of these people, it's not as if their pain pattern is just like this diffuse pain all over. It's like a very uh, specific descriptive, like one side of my head hurts and it starts here and it wraps up and around. And then my right eye throbs. Well, we have to ask like, why does your right side hurt and not your left? I mean, 
does artificial sugar do that? I don't, I don't know how to explain that with artificial sugar. So let's see what your musculoskeletal system is doing. And sure enough, we find these issues that can reasonably cause that pain pattern. And then if people, uh, I have a patient right now, if she consumes an excess amount of sugar, even for her, it's just a little bit of sugar, she gets a migraine. Now, when I work on her, her threshold goes up. So if, if I work on her several times a week, she could probably get away with eating more sugar. Uh, I don't want her to eat more sugar. That's not the goal. Yeah. But we, we have to consider all these different things that are contributing to how our body is going to experience pain, if that makes sense. It, that does. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently, feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. When you have pain on just one side of your head, as you described, does that mean that there's an issue with your right side of your neck or shoulder, or is it the opposite side? Most of the time, it's the same side. The same side. Okay. And then once you do the work on the body physically, then does the pain completely go away or it's just lessened or the headaches and migraines are less frequent? Yeah. So it's, uh, if someone comes in, uh, and they, they actively have a headache or migraine, um, oftentimes my goal will be for them to leave with, without symptoms. It doesn't always happen, but, um, now the thing you have to understand is that the head weighs 10 to 12 pounds. It's like the weight of a bowling ball. And we're asking our neck to hold up this bowling ball throughout the day. Okay. So I I can control when someone comes in and they lay down on my table for an hour. Like I can, I can work on their neck and some people's necks are more responsive. Others are not. And, you know, we're also looking at the jaw and shoulders, kind of anything that can contribute uh, to this pain pattern. Um, But outside of that, so I talk a lot about time being on our side or time being against us. And so if time is on our side, we're doing, we're giving the body the movement that it wants. So we're paying attention to our posture. We're changing our posture frequently because really the, the best posture is the next posture. So if you, if you sit up straight and you're rigid, um, sure, that's better than slouching, but, but you're still sitting. And so we want, we want people to move. Um, and so we want to implement things that are going to uh, cater to um, having time be on your side, sort of like therapeutic. How are you going throughout your day and doing things that are therapeutic for your joints, for your, for your musculoskeletal system. Um, now the problem, so I'm, I'm answering your question by saying 
I, I would love to say people can get 100% better, but there's just so many factors uh, like gravity weighing down on us and how we're managing that throughout the day and the level of injury or tension that someone comes to us with and then the amount of time that I can spend with them. Usually that equation doesn't line up to 100% improvement. Usually it adds up to about 80 to 90% improvement and then we're doing a lot of education and maybe even sticking with someone so that they uh, can manage it well. And they feel mm-hmm. like they have control over their situation. And then most of our patients were, were um, getting them off of medication because that's another big thing we want to uh, have as a goal. Right. You might see them for, I don't know how long, maybe 45 minutes, an hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's 23 other hours in the day. Yeah. That matter. yeah. <laughs> right. They matter. And so we, we do a lot of education and, and we want to make sure that they have success, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's just, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, it's kind of like saying, uh, it's asking a cardiologist, okay, like when you, when you work on the heart, like, is this person going to live forever? Yeah. It's like, well, no, like age catches up to us and gravity catches us up to us and the wear and tear in our body is going to be there, but we just need to manage it well. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. Do the majority of people who experience headaches and migraines work at a more sedentary desk job? Is that a correlation? Um, it, uh, it could be. I, so yeah, like I said, our it's like holding up a bowling ball throughout the day. So if you are more sedentary, uh, typically when we're working with someone, we have to work against that. So we do know, um, based on our clinical experience here that, you know, sitting at a desk job, uh, especially if you're desk setup isn't what it should be. It's going to add tension. Um, we see, I would say the strongest correlation there is in my middle school and high school patients. And what happens is these, uh, these students will come home, they'll, they'll be working on their laptop. Maybe they sat most of the day in school, listening to lecture on their laptop, but they come home and they'll sit on their bed, uh, or at the kitchen table I mean, we don't think of like kids as needing really a desk or a proper setup to do homework or anything like that. So they just kind of go wherever. Um, and so these kids can develop a ton of neck tension and have like these excruciating, almost daily headaches uh, that can come out of nowhere. And a lot of that has to do with with posturing and uh, the amount of strain that they've had on their neck um, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and then, yeah, I would say there's so many factors. Like a lot of people have some sort of whiplash injury, trauma. Um, if you are sitting, that puts you in higher risk, but, uh, there, there are dozens of things that we want to try to change and look into. Um, but the easiest, one of the easiest ones, a low hanging fruit is sitting the desk job. Mm -hmm. So just sit less. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If kind you of. Can. I mean, is a standing desk a good idea for a lot of people? Yeah, it's great. Idea. I, that's why I'm, I'm standing right now. Uh, and I, I, I rarely sit. I mean, I do sit like when I work on someone, I sit, um, but it's that it's being dynamic. And so you can sit for a bit and then I want you standing. I want you going on a little walk. Uh, you know, if you work from home, just go up and down your hall Um, if the weather's nice, try to find five, 10 minutes to walk around your neighborhood. I mean, just walking can be therapeutic enough, but it's when we get into these static positions 
I use the example of like someone uh, holding up their phone to their ear. You know, you're talking on the phone for 20, 30 minutes and then you realize, like, oh, my, my elbow is stiff. Okay. So we got joints in our neck that are wanting that same movement. Um, and, and when they're angry, oftentimes it just presents as, as head pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure speaking of phones, I've seen those images of how we're all looking at our phone and our back is neck is kind of arching down now. I mean, I think just looking at the phone all the time, we're not looking at it usually up high in front of our face. We're looking at it lower and kind of crouching over. That can't be helpful. No, no. And again, it's not, it's not as if like a hundred percent of the time people have to hold their phone up at eye level. I mean, it is nice to be aware of that. And, and uh, I would venture to say that most people are on the other extreme where they're constantly having their head forward. And so just listening to this conversation, and if you start to think about, oh my God, I got this bowling ball, what am I doing to cater to my neck? Um, that can be helpful, but really it's, so kind of our, uh, the three steps um, of our, if we're going to work with someone virtually, we want them to start moving more. Um, we want them to implement a few things that are sort of going to like counteract any of that, you know, forward head looking down type of posture. Um, and so if you, if we have this forward head position, if we're looking at our phones, if we're looking at a computer screen, if we're in that position for four hours a day, um, we could relatively be okay as long as we're doing something to counteract that. Right. And so we just intentional with, with the types of stretches or exercises, uh, to sort of sandwich our day. Um, that can be a way to combat that. So it's not as if we have to fear slouching, we just have to get out of it and then maybe do something that reminds our neck that it can move in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Or we can't all just get new jobs or, not sit ever. Right. So it's, again, you have to meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. and fear, I think is a good word. You don't want to then instill fear in somebody because then they start to get stressed and then that's probably not good either for the tension in your neck. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And so in moderation, I mean, it's just little things that can be done. Um, and a lot of it stems from just the awareness and I've, I've been able to validate for a lot of people that their neck can be a problem. And just that validation is enough for them to start catering to their neck in a way that they do see a change in their symptoms. Mm-hmm. Are there, I know we're on audio only. We can't, or I can see you, but not everybody else can see you. And I know you share tons of tips on TikTok and everybody should go over there if they have TikTok. Uh, and obviously that's a visual platform so they can see what you're doing. Are there any quick, like favorite neck or shoulder exercises you have that are easy to describe that somebody could just start to incorporate in their day-to-day desk job? Yeah. So if you, if you do work at a desk and you're able to get a standing desk, do that. Um, that I think that will be a, a big step in the right direction. As far as little exercises, I would just say, um, be, this is less of an exercise. And, uh, so there are a lot of little things that, um, we sort of overlook, but those, like I said, time on our side. So those can work against us or they can work for us. For, so for example, how you stand, have your weight through both feet, unlock your knees and so that you're not shifting onto one hip or the other. Cause that little shift can cause this uh, subtle curvature through the spine and that uh, then your neck has to adjust to that. So have your weight through both feet and uh, knees unlocked. So you're a little bit more active when you stand. And when you sit, uh, uncross your legs, have both feet on the floor 
Yeah, there you go. Whoopsies. <laughs> um, and then feel the weight through both hips. And again, that's just catering to a more neutral position with your spine. Because when we think about it, if we're going to shift onto one hip or the other, whether we're sitting or standing, chances are we're doing that in the, in the same pattern throughout the day. So we're, we're shifting onto the left hip much more than we would shift on the right. So it's not like we're symmetrical in that. And so that catering to the one side is going to travel up all the way to the neck. And, and if the neck is tight, um, it's going to like the neutral position better. And even just those, those subtle shifts in how we're sitting or standing uh, over time uh, can mm-hmm. be a problem. And then I'll give you one more. So when, <clears throat> when you're standing, you can do the sitting as well. Just sit up straight or stand up straight. And then I want you to um, glide your chin back and until you feel maybe a little bit of a stretch in the back of the head. We call it the suboccipital area just below the base of the skull. And then I just want you to do this little tuck. Um, so it's almost like you're saying yes, but it's a very subtle movement. The goal is to feel a little bit of a stretch in that suboccipital area. So again, you glide the chin back, just do a little chin tuck, do that 10 times, release any tension that's back there. Do that every now and then. Uh, Even if you don't feel much, it's reminding your neck that it can move Hmm. in that direction. Um, That's probably the easiest one to describe. Yeah. I've seen you do that too, I think on TikTok. And they look a little, some of them look a little silly, but nobody's looking totally. at you anyway, right? A lot of That's us work right. from home now and right. your coworkers at the office are probably too absorbed in whatever they're doing. So That's right. <laughs> they're not paying attention. Can just simply just shrugging your shoulders, doing arm circles, is that silly or yeah. can just that no. help? Just any movement I'm hearing. Just movement. Movement. Just move. Let's move. <laughs> okay. Let's move. Yeah. Do some twists, do some shoulder rolls, get up and go on a walk. Um, stretch your arm on the, uh, stretch your shoulder on the, on the door frame or in the corner of the room. Um, yeah, I look up every now and then with mm. your eyes. Even if you have pain behind your eyes, it, there's some eye muscles that can be irritated from looking down and in. So look up, uh, just to exercise your eyes a little bit every now and then. I mean, there's so many, there's so many little things that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just giving it's, it's that dynamic, uh, nature of like, we, we just need to move. We need to right. let our body move. Yeah. What about sleeping? Can sleep, how you're sleeping contribute to, cause you're not moving when you're sleeping. Yeah. You gotta move. You are. gotta move when you sleep too. I'm oh, just kidding. You do. Oh, <laughs> wake yourself up. Every I just want to throw, throw you off. Yeah. Every yeah. 30 minutes you gotta wake up. <laughs> Going to walk. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. You'd be like, hey, Newest quick. advice. Send an alarm yeah. to wake up every 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I would love it if one of your listeners was like, hey, I tried it and it was awful. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I I would say, so sleeping, it's more a sleeping position. So we, I want to keep people off of their stomachs. Um, I want either side sleeping or back sleeping. For most of the people I work with, it's side sleeping. Uh there's not too many people that sleep on their back. So for side sleepers, you just need a foam pillow that's going to hold its shape. It's going to support your head, accounting for the width of your shoulder. And then I want you to, excuse me, I want you to hug a pillow and then have one in between your knees. And that way you're not tempted to roll onto your stomach at all. So true side sleeping is uh, knees kind of bent up, knees together, uh, and then you're truly on your side. So a lot of people are, uh, they think they're side sleeping, but they're kind of twisted. Like the bottom leg is straight. The top leg's bent. You can picture that. Oh um, yeah. I think I do that. Yeah. A lot of people do it. Most people sleep that way. So if you're doing that, just tuck a pillow in between your knees, hug a pillow, and then get a nice 
foam pillow. Uh, it's it, they can be an investment, but it's worth it. I mean, I've I've had people reduce their symptoms by fifty percent just because they get off their stomach. Mm. So it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've never been a stomach sleeper, but I'm. I can imagine many people are. And yeah, it's that rotation. You're just asking your neck. Uh, um, so so what's if I'm gonna. I can simplify the the actual like problem. Um, so movement is crucial in the neck, specifically in the upper two joints. So the head sits on the first bone and it should help us nod and side bend a little bit. And then the first and second bone, really the, the only thing that that joint does is helps us rotate. So about half of our rotation comes from C1 and C2. Now, the problem that we're seeing over and over again is the restrictions there. So those joints aren't moving the way they should. And oftentimes they're not really moving at all. So when you're rotating or looking up and down or tipping your head side to side, you can still do that. So oftentimes people aren't like, well, I I can still like look over my shoulder. It's just, you're compensating and those compensations Mm -hmm. are fine um, for a while, but that tension can build in that suboccipital area And so your body's going to be sensitive to additional stresses through the neck. Um, Sometimes exercise is a trigger and that can be a component of like, you know, shoulder tension, the shoulders anchor on the neck and that can, can add stress there. But um, our process is a lot of hands-on treatment in addition to like, you know, coaching people through these exercises and lifestyle changes, but we want to restore that mobility. And oftentimes that comes back to the upper part of the neck. So people, when they turn their head, they're like, man, I can... Uh, we have little bobbleheads up front because we want you to feel like a bobblehead. Like mm. you, you actually have that mobility back that you've been looking for. Oh, wow. That's really fascinating. I've learned so much. Uh, one of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Yeah, I, I've i been running with this idea of time on your side as opposed to time against you. Um, and I think the the more I do this work, the more I'm convinced that people can really take control of their own situation. And we don't have to, we don't have to rely, well, one, we talked about fear. We don't have to like fear that our bodies are out of control. Um, and I, I say that with respect to I like the symptoms people have, it, it's so debilitating and it feels very scary. So I'm not trying to minimize that, um, but I've seen even these very scary situations, people able to sort of empower themselves to make some changes. Uh, and those little changes will put time on your side. And then if we have time on our side, it just, you know, we give our bodies time to heal. Um, and, and then in my world, that means time on our side in regards to movements and the amounts of like physical health and wellness uh, to our musculoskeletal system. And uh, whether that's like considering your posture, uh, your desk setup, um, how much exercise you're getting, how many walks you're going on, all that. Mm. Um, I would say just being proactive and in, in setting yourself up for success and having time on your side is what I would say. I really like the way you phrase that. Uh, I talk, there's a lot of uh, financial analogies that work, I think, with the health space. Mm-hmm. And one of them is kind of the idea of your money compounds over time. Yeah. And time can really be on your side if you're trying to build up your retirement savings or whatever, you know, if you invest in the right way. And I love how you said that, because in the same way, these tiny changes we make every day that seem so insignificant, insignificant really can add up if you allow them to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, I guess my uh, my take home message for people is. Um, I, I want to empower. That's that's what my podcast is all about: empowering people, 
Um, and so feel like you can have a sense of control and it's not going to be a dramatic change. You know, you implement some things day one, you may not see a change, but just, just give it time Mm -hmm. and know that it's healthy for your body. Even if you don't necessarily see the benefit right away. Right. And that's the other thing, right? These things moving your head side to side, that's not going to hurt anything. It can only help. Right. So might as well try it. Might as well. Yeah. We've mentioned that you just mentioned your podcast. We mentioned your TikTok, but can you tell us exactly where listeners can follow and find you? Yeah. So the, the podcast is probably the most helpful resource. Um, it's called the headache doctor podcast. Uh, you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and then on TikTok, I've got my biggest following on TikTok. It's just sort of a platform that's useful for me to, you know, um, provide people with these 30 second videos. And, uh, so that's, a, that's the headache doctor on TikTok. And then uh, our Instagram, Facebook, that's under Novera Headache Center. That's N-O-V-E-R-A, like new era, Novera Headache Center. Uh, and then, of course, our website, so NoveraHeadacheCenter.com. And uh, we do have a uh, – we work with people all over through um, our virtual coaching. And uh, we have a master class that's like, hey, if you're – I want to know more, that you, I've piqued your interest – we have a master class. You can purchase that right on the website. Uh, we'll give 10% off with the uh, promo code health. Oh, if any of your listeners want to are curious in that. Awesome. And then, um, yeah. And then of course we, we do in-person care and, uh, that's where it all kind of started. And that's where the hands-on techniques come in. Uh, but we feel really confident that really anyone, even if you can't travel to see us, we, we want to be a part of your journey. Well, and I'm so glad you mentioned those online resources because when you were first talking, I was thinking somebody's going to be listening to this and feeling so depressed they don't live in Colorado Springs, but yeah. they can live anywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it is hard to find the right type of treatment. So um, as part of our process, we do try, to, we, we help people problem solve, like who in your area uh, might you want to see? And uh, so that can be part of the process too. Awesome. Well, again, I learned so much. I really knew nothing about headaches and migraines coming into this. So I just really want to thank you for giving us your time today, Jono. And I look forward to staying connected off air. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.